0: You're about to listen to a Women in Tech Remix episode, where we present to you a curated selection of impactful clips from previous episodes that you may have missed. And be sure to follow the links in the show notes to listen to the full episodes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I.
1: Hi, I'm Katherine Smith. I work at Google as a product manager on YouTube TV, which is a paid premium subscription product that provides access to all your favorite live TV content. Across all your favorite devices, I'm based in San Francisco, California. So I think progressively through my career, i've I've sort of always both one when I picked my major, I thought that mechanical engineering was probably the broadest possible engineering that I could pick at the time. Probably should have picked computer science in retrospect, but I, I picked mechanical engineering and I thought, great, I can decide later if I want to be an aerospace engineer or if I want to you know work in biomechanics or if I want to design baby strollers. like there's lots of options. So this is great. And then, you know, I I started actually in college, going down a path working in a research lab where we were doing surgical robotics research. And I spent, you know, four years every summer of college there and was kind of getting down this narrower and narrower path. And everybody I was working with had PhDs in mechanical engineering, and we're working on this day in and day out. And I sort of just felt myself on this path kind of traveling along. And I got scared because I wasn't sure that that's what I wanted to do. And it felt like such a big commitment to decide to do you know, a PhD after undergrad when I wasn't sure if I would like it. And it was really sort of scary to pivot away from that. But I got myself off that train and, and sort of went in a different but related direction, you know, where I, I switched over to, to doing the medical device stuff, which, which felt, again, a bit more broad working at a company and sort of learning more general product development skills. but then also sort of started to feel a bit closed in and that I was on this, this one track and I I could see from, you know, my mentors at the company and, and seeing the, you know, leaders there, that that was my future. And if I stayed on this track and I sort of panicked again, where it's like, oh, I don't know that I want that to be my day to day. That seems kind of awful, you know, really exciting and great in some ways, but also, you know, I don't know that that's for me and really had to kind of pull that ripcord and, and, pivot in a different direction again. And, you know, those kind of series of pivots and sort of overcoming that fear of making a complete change and what I was doing has led me to where I am now, which is, you know, the most fulfilling and satisfying job I've ever had. And I, you know, if I had knew when I was 18, that this is where I wanted to end up. There's no way I would have ended up here. I would not have taken the path I took and I probably wouldn't have landed here. So it ended up being a a great thing, but just sort of overcoming that fear of sort of making these abrupt changes was definitely a challenge.
0: So interesting. You speak to so many people. I have a close friend who's so concerned that her plan has been thrown off. (laughs) And like, this is a testament that it's not about like... having the plan and sticking it in the it, be working out exactly like you ended up in your dream job because everything went a different direction.
1: <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. I think, you know, one of the things that made me feel better about this was my grandmother was a nurse for, for many, many years. And when she turned 50, she decided that she wanted to become a pilot. So she just went out and became a pilot instead, which there's no, I guess, time limit on when you can make these changes. And you can always sort of make these, these pivots. And I think It takes a little bit of trial and error to figure out what works for you. And especially because, you know, a lot of jobs don't even exist yet that will. A lot of companies don't exist yet that will. And so it's tough to know where you're aiming if where you're aiming doesn't exist yet. So taking a lot of trial and error and kind of working your way there, I think, is probably the best
2: best path. I'm Margaret Chalk, principal of MIP Chalk. LLC. I'm sort of a guide to cyberspace. I help people find the technology they need for their organization and help them um, get it to work for them. I'm in Los Angeles, California.
0: Do you identify now as an entrepreneur or as an
2: engineer? I'm really more of an entrepreneur because I'm no longer doing so much of the, the technical part of it. I'm more Working with um, on a business management level, being able to take the technology and adapt it that I would normally be, you know, if it wasn't something that was already prepackaged, I would be working with the technical people to get it to work.
0: And your passion now is cyberspace. Tell us more. Dive me in. Dive me into the world of cyberspace. Where did that start? What does that word even mean to you, <laughs> to us? What should it mean to us? Tell us all the things.
2: Well, actually, I just came up with that term in the last few months. I've always had trouble explaining what I, I would do. Just the whole universe of things that you can do using computers and related technology. I have a very sloppy background. I've worked in in all aspects of it at all levels. I'm not well-focused in my practice. So throw threw up my hands and say, okay, what I know is cyberspace in general. And so if somebody has a particular problem, I can usually narrow it down to um, what particular areas of technology are are available to attack problems like that.
0: And so that everybody listening has context, what do people hire you for now? Like who is your target client, customer?
2: I've really, in the last several years, it's been two areas. One is working on as an, an expert witness consultant. So somebody's um, somebody is suing their software developer, or the software developer is suing the client, digging into the projects, finding out what went wrong, or somebody stole some data, finding out where that came from, where they got at it and when. I decided I'm really not that interested in that area anymore. So I'm focusing more on the other aspect where I've gone into very small companies, essentially been the um, Maybe the CIO or maybe the whole computer department help them get things sorted out until they're ready to hire technical staff on a permanent basis.
0: I love how you like investigative technology just got a little bit boring for me, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, know, I, I tended to feel too sorry for the other side in, in a lot of those cases. The true you torture know? of an empath. <laughs> Yes, I understand
0: it very well. <laughs> and one of my favorite questions to ask is it throughout your career, what's one huge obstacle that you've
2: successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Well, basically going into business without having the slightest idea what I was doing. I belonged to technical societies and there I met people who were in consulting societies. So I started attending those meetings and hearing lectures about business as it applied to, uh, to consultants or technical people. And you know through the, the various speakers, I started figuring out what it was that I didn't know and needed to know and figuring out that I was definitely trying to do the wrong thing as far as my business was concerned.
3: Hi, I'm Helena Ronis, co-founder and CEO of All Factors, the most insightful web marketing analytics software. I'm based in Santa Clara, California. You know, when I IPO my company in five to seven years, we can listen to this podcast again for when it's all started. And I was literally in the process of building it and talking about it. I hope we can get to that day to re-listen to it.
0: And you guys have no idea. It's Friday night, 8 p.m. And this is what we're doing. We're sharing your insights and your journey. Like that's how committed she is to to, like, listen, Helena has been so amazing at supporting me. Did I say it right that time? I'm trying so hard. Okay, cool. At supporting me and championing community, I know with all of my heart from intuition that she is literally just sharing to empower you. So I just think it's so special that you're investing your time this way. She spent time with me before the call where we were just jamming one another. I heard a term lately. I know we're both on the Clubhouse app and I've been hearing this term that I've never heard before, giving flowers. Had you heard that term before Clubhouse? I haven't. What is Have it you mean? heard it on Clubhouse? I actually, I don't think I've heard it. Giving flowers. I've heard it in the last 48 hours. Everybody's like giving flowers, giving flowers. And it means digitally complimenting somebody, digitally giving someone oh, I love. love that.
2: I, I love, that. love it.
0: So I feel like we've been giving one another flowers like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in this world,
3: especially the entrepreneurship world, again, it's all about helping each other. We mentioned that before. But it's like, that's how everyone moves forward. And that's not only us are moving forward, but also, you know, the future generation almost, right? If we help each other, everything moves forward better and people that come after us. If we are the role models, right, of people that kind of look up to us and that can be another founder who's growing up and going to become a founder one day, And she's looking at someone who succeeded and then she's looking at her story and she's helping other founders and she elevates everyone else with her. That's a great role model. Like, I don't want the role model that succeeded, but they, you know, were stepping on people while
0: succeeding. I don't want that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And before we go into your history and we wrap it up and talking about your history, can you just share with us what your day-to-day looks like? Like what is your superpower? My superpower in one word is perseverance. And what's your day-to-day look like? How do you persevere day-to-day? Where does that show up?
3: Yeah, so as a founder right now, I'm wearing five hats. So I'm basically doing five full-time jobs. Product management being the first one working with developers every day to drive the product forward. Uh, Marketing being in tandem with the product since we're doing pre-launch marketing. Sales is going to be the next one as soon as we release the product. Customer support is going to be in tandem with that. And then CEO duties, which is everything related to accounting, keeping the books good, and uh, fundraising fundraising is absolutely a CEO duty and uh, when you fundraise only that consumes your entire time so actually right now I'm trying to spend more time on building the product and doing pre-launch marketing which actually moves the needle in the business and we do have enough money right now to be able to do that because we did raise an angel round in the previous product so I'm focusing 100% on that product and marketing right now.